Good morning, everybody. It is just a joy, really, to be with you. A couple quick things on my mind uh, before we open the scriptures together. The first is this. Um, I wish that I could spend hours with each of you every day. Let's work that out a little bit. But in the absence of being able to do that, can I just tell you that I love you and God loves you? And I'm just glad that you're here. And I want you to know that. Uh, all of us feel the same way about you, and the Lord especially just really loves you and desires your heart, and he is blessed that you're here, however you got here, for whatever reason you're here. And I believe, look, I believe that the Spirit of God is real and active and it is meeting with you today. And I just hope that you receive something special from God. Uh, also, real quick, this is a, a special thing. We started a, just a three-week study in our Sunday school classes. Um, there's a handful of our Sunday school classes who are doing a, a video study that we created out of this book booklet that we created called The Field Guide for Money and Faith. And if you've ever wondered um, what is the scripture and our Christian tradition and our Methodist heritage, how can that help enrich our relationship uh, with money and what we have? Uh, we put together just kind of a nice overview uh, in this little booklet, but also a lot of our groups are starting it, uh, started this week, and thank you all for doing that. Um, if you haven't been a part of a Sunday school class, this would be a great time. You can also catch up the videos for this, um, the, our Sunday school classes, a lot of the curriculum come out each week on the Facebook page. Session one of this is out there. Um, you can also download this book if you don't want to pick up a hard copy. It's just a short one at firstmethodistalbany.com slash ebooks. The only way I could get myself published was to write it myself and force you all to read it. So um, praise God for that. Moncrease, when you take this candle home, this is yours. Um, I'm going to tell you just to remind you all, um, I want you to have this. This is nothing magic, right? God is active. This is just a way to remember. I'm going to invite you, if you can remember, that this day, every year that that candle survives, if you would just light that and remind Ford that God claimed him and that he belongs to the Lord Jesus and that we made promises to him just like you did, and with God's help, we want to help him know the Lord. It's a great way to help him remember what he is too young to recall in his own mind. Well, we're in a series of sermons that we're calling Behold, Helping Others See Jesus. Here's the thing. I don't know what it was like for you when you first saw Jesus. I don't know what it's like for you. You probably still have those moments where you see him fresh and in new light and, and, and those moments. I don't know what those are like for you, but I know they're precious. I know that because God is good and he loves us and he saves our souls and he invites us into the richest life possible because he made us and he recreates us. And God loves everybody in that same way. And I, I hope you want to help other people see the Lord that you have seen. But here's the deal. Sharing our faith with others, being a witness, being an evangelist, oh my, sometimes that can sound a little scary. What do I do? How do I do that? I don't have a degree. Uh, do I need to preach sermons? No. What do I? So we want to offer some practical ways, easy practical ways that you can in your day-to-day -day life help people see Jesus. 
And that's what we're focusing on uh, this week and, and upcoming. And we're going to focus in on the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 1, verse 43 through 51. Here's just a quick word for you. If you read through this chapter, you're just going to see incident after incident where somebody invites somebody to know the Lord. And it'll give you great insight into your own opportunity to do that. Let's turn our attention now to the Word of God. I invite you to hear these words. May the Spirit bring them to life in our hearts. So the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus son of Joseph from Nazareth. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. And when Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you get to know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. My friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. O come, Holy Spirit, give us a word that we might live. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. The question I have for you to begin is, who was on your road? Who was on your road? As we think about the journey of life, I don't know what your life could have been like, but somewhere along the way, I wonder if God placed a person or people to help guide you to him, to point the way, to shepherd you, to journey with you, or to say, please don't go this way, go that way. If you reflect on the journey of your life and you reflect especially on your faith and your growing holiness in Jesus Christ, who has been along your road? Chances are you have come to know Jesus and know him more because God has used people and placed people along your life. Most people become disciples of Jesus Christ because of the, the testimony or the loving care or the encouragement of someone they trust. Who's been on your road? I think about my road. My road's very different than it could have been. There have been people God placed upon my road to help me survive when I was too young to even realize that things were difficult. I think about people like Jeremy's grandma. Do y'all you know who I'm talking about, Jeremy's grandma? You hung out with her a time or two? Jeremy was a friend of mine. He spent a lot of time at his grandma's house, and, and she would invite his friends over to come spend the night when we were, I mean, we were young, 9, 10, 11. And uh, this is the question she always asked. She'd say, all right, Jim, 
because I was big enough to be Jim. I wasn't Jimmy at that point. I was Jim. She said, do you want us to drop you off at the house on the way to church, or do you want to come with us? Every time. Every time. And I didn't, say, I didn't go. I went home most of the time, but eventually I said, well, I'll go with you. Once I realized they were stopping by Wendy's on the way home. But that's where, that's where the Lord first got a hold of me. He's, the Lord put Jeremy's grandma on my road. Put Paul Franklin on my road. You remember Paul Franklin, Gray, I think you do. He was a young, young man when I first came uh, back into the church as an older teenager. Um, and I, didn't, I knew the Lord was doing something. I didn't know what it looked like. He was probably 15 years old. But he lived the joy of the Lord. And he loved me. I don't know why. But he showed me what it looked like to know Jesus and to love Jesus and that being a Christian was bigger than stereotypes that I had heard in my life, but it was a real and beautiful thing. God put Paul Franklin on my road. Many people, many people. Who's been on your road? You see, most often, most often, people come to see and know and enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ because somebody that they trust has shared and walked with them. You know, we think about whose road we might be on. Have you ever thought about that? There was a weird moment. Um, it happened to me a handful of years ago. You know, when you're, when you're growing up, you're like, you need things from people and you're trying to impress people. I don't know if that was like you, but I was trying to get a job, trying to, trying to do this. And all of a sudden I looked around and I said, oh, wait a minute. I guess I got to do this for someone else now. Whose road are you on? Now, there's some wonderful descriptions of the South. I love half of them. Uh, one of them goes like this. There's a Waffle House and a church on every street corner. You ever heard that? And there's a handful of Waffle Houses around here, and they're all good. If you don't believe that there's a church in every street corner, here's what I want you to do. When you walk out that door, I simply want you to turn in a 360-degree circle, and there is legitimately a church on every street corner of Flint Avenue. So you figure if there's, there are probably, I've, I tried to count, it's really hard to get a distinct figure, but there are over 200 churches and religious organizations in Doherty County. Did you know that? Over 200. And you figure, since there's one on every street corner, that must mean that there's one on everybody's road, right? So that's all it takes. All we need to know is that there's a church on somebody's road. All they got to do is get there. They'll pass one. They'll see Jesus. It'll be perfect. Praise God for a church on every road. But it doesn't seem to work like that. Let me share something with you that I learned as I was studying our community. There's a, a handful of religious surveys that go out in communities all over the United States. And I was looking at the one from 2001 and 2002 uh, and, and noted, along with the census, that there are plus or minus 70,000 residents in our community. How many of them do you think go to some of those 200 churches? Well, here's the number. According to the survey and data work, 27.6% of people say they are a part of a religious community in Doherty County. That's not as many as I thought. You know what that means? That means that over 50,000 people in our community are not part of a religious community, let alone a church. 
Which is strange because I think about, if I, if I were to write down 50 people that I spent time with this last week, I figure, oh gosh, I thought they were all a part of a church. That means everybody's a part of the church because what I see is all there is. 50,000 plus people. And you know what? I don't know necessarily what that means for them. They may be Christians. This is just talking about people who identify with a faith community. And this, of course, involves some of the other faiths in our community as well. But that's a lot of people. Now, I say that to you not to say, okay, your goal is now to fill this place up with 50,000 people. That could be a great goal. But before I care about getting them to church, I want to get them to Jesus. Do y'all hear me? Do y'all hear the difference? Before I get them to church, I want to get them to Jesus. Sometimes that's the same thing. But the mindset is, the mindset is different. I want these people to know Jesus. Why? Is it because I think that I am right and someone else is wrong? No. Do I think that there's some superiority? Uh, no, we are humble as our Lord is humble. Why? Because I've seen Jesus. I have known the power of his Holy Spirit and his atoning work in my life. I know the joy and the riches that come, and I've seen it in you, and I want that for everybody. And you know who else wants that for everybody? The Lord. Here's what I know. Let me share with you. I just want to give you a little motivation here and show you. I, I don't want you to come to a church that says, wow, this is a big, nice church. There are 200 churches around here. I guess everybody knows the Lord. I want you to know that the, the, the harvest is ripe. Man, the harvest is ripe. Here are a couple key truths that will help you understand just a little bit about how the Lord works. We believe that every single person is a special creation of God. Every single person is a special creation of God. And that every single person, through faith in Jesus Christ, has the opportunity to become a child of God. Everybody. We believe that the Holy Spirit of God is at work in every single person before we ever come on the scene, before they're aware of it. And the Holy Spirit is at work in every person seeking to draw them unto his own heart. God is already at work, and God invites his people to come alongside them on the journey, of the, on the road of their life. And who does he invite on the road of their life? He invites preachers sometimes. He invites evangelists by trade sometimes. But I'll tell you, when I look at the people along my road, there's been one or two preachers that really made a huge difference and a whole ton of regular folk that spent time in my life. I remember one sermon, word for word, that was important to my life, partially because I asked the preacher if he wrote it down and could send it to me. But I remember Paul Franklin. I remember Dean Slusser. I remember my mother-in-law. I remember all of these people and the love more than I remember what was said from a pulpit. Because God placed them in my life you know what that means? It means you, you have a chance to help somebody that's a part, that the Lord has brought you around now to help them see. Each Christian is called to be a witness to the Lord Jesus Christ in the particular situation in which you live. Each disciple of Jesus Christ is called to declare the wonderful deeds of God. I know that there are some people who are set aside specifically to be evangelists by spiritual gifts, and you might see them on TV and thought, I'm glad somebody's doing that. But the only, the, the only downfall of seeing professional evangelists, they spread the word, the only downfall is that we assume that it's somebody else's job to tell people about the love and the power of our Lord. 
So I know it can be weird, so what do I do about that? What do I do about that? I want to just walk you through this story of Philip and Nathaniel real quick. I just want you to see some things. Um, uh, here's what's happened. John the Baptist has come on the scene, and he's pointed he, to Jesus. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God who sees... Who, uh, forgives us, takes away the sins of the world. He says that over and over until somebody bites. And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene and there are people uh, who start to follow him. And Philip is one of those. As Jesus comes back to Galilee, a man named Philip, Jesus says, follow me, and he does. And that's something. That's, that's a commitment. And then Philip, he's just been with Jesus and he has a desire to help the other people in his life know that. So he goes to find Nathaniel, who, who he knows he says, you know what, my buddy Nathaniel, really, he's been searching, and I've got something for him. And he found, it says in verse 45, Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote. That's another way of saying, hey, you've been looking for the Messiah, and we found him. He's over here. His name is Jesus. He's the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Just, I want you to think about this for a minute. It's just so, so simple. There's no magic words that have happened. There's no outrageous uh, five-point message to share. It's simply Philip began out of a relationship with Jesus, and he went to someone he cared about. That's all that's happened so far. What about you and your relationship with Jesus? If you draw close to Jesus, he will give you the insight and the power uh, to simply connect with other people. When you're with Jesus, you have a desire for him to be everywhere and for other, everyone you know to, to share and to know him. You know how I know that you want to share Jesus? Because you want to share things you love. And I know that because every one of you who has grandkids keeps showing us all the pictures. You, and I'm not being, I'm just saying like, you want to share that, don't you? You want to share those beautiful children, don't you? And, and I've got, um, uh, Tommy's with me, he's my uh, father-in-law, and uh, he's with us this week. And even when the grandchildren are especially precious, we still want to share them, don't we? We share the things we love with people who we care about. So we begin out of our relationship with Jesus, we begin with someone we care about. Because here's what I want you to know, building a relationship with trust is one of the primary and first acts of someone who cares about sharing their faith. Building relationships with trust is, is really the first and primary act of sharing your faith with someone. Because as we, as we saw, most people become Christians because of the witness, the love, the acts, and the testimony of someone they trust. Now, that's different. I know um, most of us have a second, second career as keyboard warriors. Anybody a uh, keyboard warrior by hobby? And the common way that we might see people sharing their faith these days is by lobbying um, moralism and telling everybody how wrong they are and all this stuff going on in the world. I mean, you can do that. If you feel the need to defend your faith that way, that's a specific call. But I'm going to tell you, I don't know if people are coming to Jesus because of it. They might be walking further away from you. People come to Jesus because they know you love them, and Jesus is working through you. Here's the question I have for you. Who, who are the people around you? You have a circle. You have a network. You have a web of relationships. Who are those people? Is there somebody that comes to your mind that you just, the Lord says, I would love to use you 
to help them know me? Is there somebody that comes to your mind? If not, they might pop up, but, but it might be such that you might have to pray, okay, Lord, I get it, I get it. Will you help me to meet somebody that I could grow in friendship with so I could help them know you? Will you help me meet somebody so I can intentionally share my faith? All right, here's what happens next. Philip goes and finds Nathaniel, and he said to him, we have found him, uh, the Messiah. Um, Philip simply witnesses to what he knows. That's an important thing. Simply witness to God's work in your life. What do I say? What do I do? Just tell people what God has done in your life at the appropriate time. What's the appropriate time? You've been listening deep because you love this person and the Lord will give you witness and they'll mention something and you can just simply tell them about how God did something in your life or what you believe that God will do or what you believe is possible through Jesus Christ. And they'll listen more because you've listened and you trust them. Simply share, simply share what God has done in your life. That's what Philip does. He says, we have seen, we have seen the Messiah. We know where he is. Now, Nathaniel comes back uh, with a nice little, a nice little word. Um, he says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Hey, we've seen Jesus. I found the Messiah. Come, come and see him. It's Jesus of Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Don't you love it when you try to tell somebody something and they clap back at you? Like, well, I guess this is over. I guess I got to fight now. Or I guess I've got to prove them wrong about a thing. But here's another thing I want you to think about. Um, I don't want you to worry about saying the right thing or the wrong thing when you are sharing your faith with somebody. Here's what we witness in Scripture over and over. Love the one in front of you and point to Jesus. Love the one in front of you, point to Jesus. Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? He's been studying the scriptures forever. He knows all about the Messiah. He knows all about Nazareth. He knows all about this. But Philip, when he receives that question, which might have been a challenging question, a disbelieving question, he simply, loving the person in front of him, says, come and see. Just come and see. Because Philip has nothing to prove. Because Philip's not the one doing the saving work. Philip's just trying to point people that he loves to Jesus. That's all he's doing. He doesn't need to correct his theology. He doesn't say, if you'll open back up to the prophets there, Nathaniel, what you'll find is that specifically right here it says it. He just says, come and see. Come and see. He loves the person in front of them and points them to Jesus. Here's something that I, I want you to pay attention to. Um, if you look at the last part of this story, Nathaniel apparently says, yeah, I'll come and see. And he ends up meeting with Jesus. Do you know who takes over from there? Jesus. All Philip had to do was bear witness to Jesus, to the one in front of him, and invite him to see Jesus, and Jesus took over from there. You see this beautiful interaction. Jesus will prove his knowledge and love for a person just like he does. I just want you to read this again. On his way, uh, Jesus sees Nathanael coming on the way, and he says, here's truly an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. He says, I know you. I knew you before I saw you. It's the same is true for every single person that we'll talk to in our lives. And Jesus convinces. Nathanael says, oh, truly, this is the... the uh, Holy One of Israel. Truly, this is the King of Israel. Here's what I want you to remember. Our job is to bear witness. 
God does the saving. God does the saving, which should just take a load off your shoulders. All we've got to do is bear witness. Bear witness to the people that God places in our lives, and we trust and we pray that God will, by his convincing grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, awaken people's hearts that they might truly have the eyes of their spirits open that they could see Jesus. We just bear witness. And here's what you can trust is when you bear witness, you can trust that God is doing some work. Whether you see the fruit or not, you just trust that God is doing some work because God is already at work. God desires for every single person, because he created them as special creation, that they would become his children through faith in Jesus Christ. Somebody was on our road. Whose road are you on? Whose road are you on? Will you love the person in front of you and share the the Lord with them, telling them what he's done in your life so that they might experience what he might do in their life? Look, lots of opportunities, 50,000 plus by the numbers of people who would receive that message. And here we have a whole community of Christians ready to go and share. Here's here's the final takeaway I want you to think about. I just want you to go back to that question from earlier. Who is it? Just pray this prayer. Who is it, Lord, that is in my web that you would like me to bear witness to? And if you can't think of anybody, then your next response is, Lord, who can I intentionally build a relationship with that I could seek to invite them to you? And Lord, give me the courage to go and to open my mouth because the Lord loves all these people. I don't know who was on your road, but I'm glad they were. And there will be other people there too. And there will be somebody who looks back and says, you know, I'm so glad that they were on my road. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the opportunity just to love you and to see you and that you have called us here for this time and this place that we could bear witness to all of your beloved special folks here in Doherty County. Help us to love and to bear witness and to share our faith with others, to help them to know you. We know you're already there. You are already working can help us to join in, guide us, and use us that other people might know you. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.